0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Micah chapter 5. This is one of the most familiar chapters in the book of Micah. We're looking at what God wants. As we listen to Micah preach to the children of Israel, uh, he begins to tell them what God wants. Now, some of it and most of it that we've looked at and will continue to look at, we've had to see uh, from uh, the, the negative statements about how God's people were living, we've had to watch and see. Uh, from those negative statements, how, how we should live positively. Uh, so we've, we've taken some of the negative things that, that God had to say to his people, and we've had to twist uh, flip it a little bit to see the positive statement of how we're supposed to live. So we've seen that God wants us to trust him, uh, and, and, and we, we need to trust him with all that we are. Uh, even when the big bad wolf comes knocking at the door, we can trust him. God wants us to trust Him. Uh, last week we looked and, and uh, we saw that, that God, uh, I've forgotten what, God wants us to, uh, uh, to represent Him well in the world. He, he wants us to represent Him well in the world in which we live and, 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 and to do that every single day, to represent Him well every single day. Today, uh, we don't have to look at a negative because Micah chapter 5 is pretty much all positive. And, and that's good news for us because uh, Micah chapter 6 is not so much. But, but, but we, this is the longest section in all of Micah's preaching that, that tells us about uh, some positive statements that what God wants. Um, and, and I'll just give it to you. What God wants, God wants to give us peace. Uh, that's what God wants. Um, and I've got to tell you, I like that. God wants to give. I could stop right there. I, I, could say, I could say God wants to give and stop right there. But, but here we see that God wants to give us peace. God wants to give us peace, and, and boy, the children of Israel needed peace in that moment. When Micah began to preach, I want you to understand the context. Look at verse 1. It says, uh, it, Micah says, Now now, gather your troops, O daughter of Zion, the siege is at your door, and the rod is already stricken, the judge of Israel in the face and, or on the cheek. And the picture there is the big bad wolf, that foreign army from Assyria, has come and it's laid siege to Jerusalem. In 722 B.C., uh, that foreign army wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel with its capital city of Samaria. Because of their rebellion against God, because they refused to bend to the will of God, and because they refused to trust Him, and because they refused to re- represent Him well, uh, God allowed that Assyrian army to take them over and, and kaput. Uh, the northern kingdom is gone. Now in 701 B.C., Uh, 21 years later, uh, this foreign power is at the door of Jerusalem, at the gates, and it doesn't look like there's any human help for them. And in the midst of that kind of drama, in the midst of that kind of fear and uncertainty, Micah delivers this great promise, a promise of peace. Peace. This peace comes through Jesus Christ, the ruler, the ruler. And and, and if you look in Micah chapter 5, look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, and this one, talking about the Messiah who was born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, verse 2, this Messiah who is born, this ruler who is born, verse 5 says, and this one shall be our peace. This, one, this is the one who gives us peace. Now, that term for peace is shalom. And shalom is more than just the, the temporary moments of, 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 of conflict out of the way. Shalom is, is security in life, no matter the circumstances we face. Shalom is, is, pe- is, uh, is, is uh, power in life, regardless of how weak we feel. Uh, shalom is fullness of life, a satisfied life, regardless of how, how, uh, how empty our coffers are. It, 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 is, it is a strong life and a nourished life. It is a, it is a, a whole life without any missing pieces. It is an it is well with my soul no matter how many storms are raging around me kind of life. And that's That's what God wants to give us. And the reason we know He wants to give us is it's not just a Christmas story. This God wanting to give us peace is written in the very fabric of human history and God's story for all of humanity, that God desires to deliver peace From the very beginning of time all the way to the end of the time, end of time, God has written into the fabric of that story. He desires to give peace. And that peace is found through Christ. We enter into that realm of peace, that, that realm of a satisfied, full life, when we understand that Jesus died in my place. For my sin, that, that he was crucified on a cross for for a sinner like me, that he was buried and that he rose again three days later so that I could have victory and new life through faith in him. And when I see Jesus for who he is, the bridge between me and a holy God, and when I bend my will and my heart to him through repentance, and when I cry out to him to rescue me in that moment, I cross from a life of of. of of no hope to a life of absolute hope because I have found an it is well life in the person of Jesus Christ all the emptiness in my life disappears and is filled up with the person of Christ I am rescued I am made whole I have shalom and that's how it begins and that's good news but here's the problem as followers of Christ So many of us live moment by moment without peace, without an it-is-well-with-my-soul perspective or experience. Our reality is far different than our profession or our confession. It doesn't make us any less rescued by God's grace. It just means that there's some disconnect between being a follower of Christ and living in peace every single day. And I think that's what Micah gets at here in Micah chapter 5. He's talking to the people of God, and and he describes for them a ruler who would deliver peace. Now, in the next few moments, I'm going to give you three points, but this is a four-point message. The first three points just tell us why and how Jesus gives his followers peace. But the real point, the real carry-home-with-you kind of perspective comes with point four. That, That last point. So before we get to the point number four, let's walk through this passage and see how Jesus gives us peace. God wants to give us peace. That's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus is the one who gives us peace. Not just a distant peace When we get to heaven, but a peace in the here and now. A peace that connects us to an it is well with my soul everyday experience in spite of. In spite of. In spite of my pain, in spite of my my sorrow, in spite of my circumstances, in spite of the storm, in spite of the chaos, in spite of the confusion, I can have peace today on Monday morning. When it seems like peace is far, far away, I can have peace. I can have peace when things seem to be working well, and I can have peace when things aren't working so well. How does that happen? That's the way it's supposed to happen for us as followers of Christ. Now, I, I know it's going to seem simplistic, and I realize that, and all of us, all of us have those moments and seasons in our life where, where um, there, there, there is so much disconnected from peace inside of us, that, that it's not as simple as Jesus is my peace. I understand that, but that, that is the starting point. There will be no peace in your everyday experience until you look to Jesus as your peace in everyday experience. 24-7, 365, here we go. Jesus is our peace. How? Well, first of all, Jesus is our peace because Jesus gives us perfect direction. He leads us perfectly. This is verse 2, and, and verse 2 is the Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now, i got to tell you, I just love saying Ephrathah. Ephrathah. And I'm not even going to let you say it. Uh, oh, Bethlehem, but now Bethlehem Ephrathah. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, here it is, out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, just stop right there. Oh, and, and you can look down in verse 4 at the very end. He says, uh, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And then verse 5, and this one shall be our peace. All right, so, so what's he talking about here? Well, he's saying that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem, O little town. But the one that is going to be born is the ruler of Israel the ruler of God's people. And his goings on or goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now, his goings on or goings forth, you know what that means? His experience, his life, his journey, his goings on or his goings forth. This ruler has a life whose experience is from of old. In other words, when Jesus showed up on the scene of human history, it wasn't just his present moment that he experienced. It wasn't just that he understood what Palestine was like in 4 BC or 5 BC when he was born. Now Jesus, Jesus has always had experience from here, from the present moment, here and now, all the way to the beginning of human history. The idea of from of old, there in verse 2, is the picture that Jesus understands perfectly the context, the, the, the situation, the circumstances of humanity from the present moment all the way back to the very beginning of time. For Israel, it meant that Jesus understood, this ruler understood exactly what was going on with the people of God from the moment of their experience all the way back to the very beginning of time. And for you and me, get what this means. It means that Jesus understands you and the context in which you live and the history of your life. He understands the story of your experiences. He understands uh, the, uh, the, the, the background. He, he understands better than you or I um, how our heritage and our lineage and, and, and uh, our, our parents and grandparents and, and, and how all of that has affected us to this point in time. He understands geopolitical forces better than you or I or any other uh, uh, Ph.D. in the world. He understands the economics better than you or I. Jesus, from here, uh, from this present moment, understands exactly where we are, exactly what we're going through. He understands you inside and out. He understands the baggage that you're carrying with you today. He understands the baggage that you're carrying. He was there when you started loading that baggage and started carrying it with you. He understands and he watched as other people were loading your baggage and you started carrying that baggage. He understands you inside and out. He understands your emotional makeup and your spiritual makeup and and he understands what makes you tick. He understands what makes you thrive and he understands what makes you shrink. Jesus understands. That's his goings forth from of old. He understands from here all the way to the point in time where human history began, including the beginning of your life and your here and now, all the way up to this moment. Jesus gets you perfectly. And he gets the times and understands perfectly and intimately what this context is all about. All right, so Jesus gets it. But more than that, his goings forth are of old from Everlasting. Now, that, that phrase, from everlasting, the Hebrew term there is olam, O-L-A-M, short A, long O. Olam, and, and it means eternity. But it doesn't mean eternity past. It also means eternity future. And when you combine these two phrases together, it says that Jesus, not only does he understand because he experienced From this point in the present all the way back to the very beginning of time but Jesus also understands perfectly from this point in time all the way to the end of time itself because he's experienced it everlasting he gets the whole picture he understands not only what makes you who you are today but he understands where you're going tomorrow he understands perfectly the path that you need to walk in order to taste the fullness of life, how to taste peace in the midst of the mazes that lead you to misery. Jesus is our peace because he understands perfectly not only that, but he is the ruler who leads us perfectly. See, if he understands that he is the one who will lead you through it. He's the one that gives you perfect direction in the midst of these mazes and the chaos and the confusion. Jesus is the one. He's the one that you turn to. And even though the storm is raging, if you follow him, then you will have peace. Everything around you may scream terror, but you're screaming trust because you're walking in the path that he has mapped. But can I tell you, even though Jesus is the ruler that leads me perfectly, I still lack peace. You know why I lack peace? I lack peace because I don't follow him. I don't follow him. I lack peace in my life because, for whatever reason, I decide that I know better than he does or that what he has to say isn't relevant for my here and now. Or that he really doesn't understand what I'm going through. or He doesn't get me. And any time as a follower of Jesus, I'm talking about us as followers of Christ. Any time as followers of Christ, we start down that road of Jesus doesn't get it, is the moment that we forfeit it. Peace. Oh, he gets it all right. The question is not does Jesus lead us perfectly that's yes the question is am I following his perfect leadership my worst enemy to personal peace is me Jesus leads us perfectly secondly Jesus nourishes us completely he nourishes us completely. I, I get carried away in this one, okay? So I'm going to try to not get carried away, but I probably will, so just hold on. This is, this is uh, of all the points, this is my favorite, just, just so you know. This is my favorite. Look at verse 4. Micah chapter 5, verse 4. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This one shall be our peace. What's what's he talking about? Well, the picture here is, uh, let's go back to Bethlehem Ephrathah, just so I can say it again. Go back to Bethlehem Ephrathah again. And see, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, now, certainly we make much of Bethlehem Ephrathah being a small little town out of which this great ruler is birthed. The same thing held true to David, uh, born in Bethlehem, but but became the great king of Israel. So so we understand that there is something in, in the text, something powerful about God taking something out of such modest origin and making greatness out of it. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. That's the song, right? And so that's one aspect of it. But the very name of Bethlehem gives us insight into how Jesus provides us peace. Bethlehem, two words in the Hebrew language, house, bet, bread, lechem. House of bread. Bread being the symbol and the picture of satisfaction. And, and nourishment in the ancient Near East. Bread being the very, very symbol and picture of what it takes to, to have a satisfied life. Here, Jesus is born in the house of bread. Why? Because he literally is the bread from heaven. In John chapter 6, we see that Jesus is the bread from heaven. He had fed the multitudes uh, with, uh, with five loaves and a couple of fish and And they were following him, and they wanted more bread. And and Jesus said, Moses gave you bread from heaven, uh, gave you manna from heaven, but I am the bread of heaven. He said, whoever believes in me will never hunger and never thirst again. They will be satisfied. That's Jesus. So when we feast on Jesus every day, we will be nourished in our heart, in our mind, in our body, in our soul. We have peace because Jesus stands and feeds his flock. So it's not merely the picture of Jesus being the bread from heaven, but also Jesus being the good shepherd who leads us to the still waters and and into the green pastures who literally restores our soul. This is Jesus who takes us and, and, and nourishes us completely feeding us exactly what we need at exactly the right time. Now, I know that all of us have emotions, and, and we have scars, and we have struggles that are so deep and so strong and so powerful and so permeating in our life. I understand that. And so I, I know that that many of us need, need uh, extra help. Now, all of us I would recommend go see a counselor every now and then. I'm telling you it's good, it's good for the soul, it's good for me, I like it. But, but, and so, for, for those extra deep scars, I need a professional who can help me navigate through some of the ugliness that I've got on the inside of me and some of the baggage that I've been carrying around. But I can tell you this without equivocation, that the place to begin that journey is with Jesus. Every morning that you wake up, he is the one who will nourish your emotions and nourish your soul. But you've got to run into his arms and rest in his lap and find the nourishment he provides. Jesus sets the table every single day for you and me that will feed us completely. But the problem is we don't eat. The problem is we get tired of the broccoli he's serving and we decide we're going to fix our own dish. We decide that, that Jesus doesn't know enough or He doesn't get us or He doesn't understand the pain I'm in. And so we start pursuing a different path to nourish our soul and we start becoming malnourished in our spirit because we are not feeding on Jesus. We're not running to Him. We're not resting in His lap. We're taking some other course and ta- taking some other uh, meal and digested it and said, this is the way I'm going to find peace. This is the way I'm going to be satisfied in life. See, I, I know that for me, the most malnourished I've been emotionally and spiritually, the most malnourished I've been is when I decided I was going to feast on some other plate than what Jesus offered is when I'm going to cook my own meal and eat at my own table while Jesus has set the banquet feast of Himself before me. Where I decide, I know better than Jesus. And my heart shrinks and shrivels up into nothing. Nothing. And I know that the only antidote to a shriveled soul like that is in repentance to run back into the arms of Jesus and let Him nourish me again. And the good news is, like a sponge that has been left out and dried up and shriveled, once we run into the lap of Jesus once again, like one little drop of water expands that sponge and makes it pliable again, that's exactly what can happen in our soul. And we begin to soak up the nourishment that Jesus offers and we live in peace. Jesus nourishes us completely. Jesus is the King and if we follow Him we'll be living saturated in peace. He is the Shepherd and if we feast on Him and His presence in our life every single day then every single day we will be nourished in our soul completely. And Jesus is the victory. And if we walk with him, we will walk in the victory that he provides. See, Jesus, Jesus is our peace because he offers us victory every single day. Not just, not just the victory that waits for us when we get to heaven. But victory every day from here until heaven. That victory we see in verses 10 through 15, and I, I, we'll talk about it in a second, but, and I don't have time to, to detail every aspect of it. Um, but as we, as we, or verses 7 through 9, I'm sorry. Um, verse 7 through 9, Micah says that, that when, we, when we are faithful to Jesus and following His leadership, then God will make us like dew from heaven. God will make us like lions that have no enemy that can conquer them. Verse 9, Micah says, and, and, and you will cut off your enemy. You will win the victory against your enemy. Now that's what happens when we follow after Jesus. Every single day. On Monday morning... Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, Thursday uh, at brunch time, Friday uh, at at 10 o'clock in the evening time, Saturday on the golf course at noon, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, if we walk with Jesus, we will walk in victory. And, And even when it looks like we're losing, we're still winning because we're walking with Jesus. That's where our peace is. We know that God's going to work this out for a win for me. Uh, The problem is when I don't feel lion-like, I pretend. When I don't feel lion-like, I pretend. I look at my life and I look at circumstances. I have those moments in my life where I am filled with fear and I know that I'm not up for the task. But instead of embracing the weakness and the fear that I have, I pretend, I blow myself up like a blowfish. I go through this spiritual bloviating where I pretend like I've got it all together and nothing's worrying me, and on the inside I am trembling with fear, or I pretend like I can handle this on my own or that I'm smart enough or I'm good enough or I'm wise enough or I'm experienced enough to handle this life. The moment we start walking down this path and we, we start pretending like we're strong, that's when we're in deep trouble. That's when we forfeit peace. In my life in my life when when those circumstances bigger than I can handle come up and by the way that's every day when when those happen my response must be I am weak oh I am weak I'm not strong enough to handle this because in my weakness that that's where the victory begins Because it's in my weakness that he is strongest. It's not until I stop pretending like I've got it together that he can get me together and give me peace. That's every day. That's not just an occasional moment. That's an everyday thing. and the fear and uncertainty of your life comes alive, that's okay. But don't pretend like you're okay. Acknowledge your weakness and depend on Jesus. I mean, this victory that we can have where our enemy is cut off and, 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 and where we're like lions, we're, we're lion-like. That, that lion-likeness doesn't happen because we somehow have convinced ourselves that we really are a lion. It happens because the Lion of Judah, Jesus himself, begins to work on our behalf. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I, I'm going to thank God every day for Jesus leads me into triumph always. And Jesus is the one who's leading me into victory today if I walk with him. You know what our problem is? Is that we stop walking with him. We decide we can do the victory on our own. We take a victory lap all the way down to the pit. All because we refuse to embrace our weakness and let our weakness be the avenue through which His strength comes alive. See, the promise is that we will have victory That's what Jesus offers every single day, victory. I don't receive every single day victory, not because Jesus somehow is deficient. I don't receive every day victory because I have stopped walking with Him. My biggest enemy to peace is me, and that's the last point. See that—that really is where where Micah ends up, verses ten through fifteen. God turns it and he says, okay, now here's what I've got to do. For you to taste peace through this ruler, we've got to cut out some things in your life. We've got to cut out every stronghold that makes you feel like you can make it without God. We need to to tear down every fortress in your soul that awakens in you an independent spirit from your ruler, your shepherd, your victory, Jesus Christ. We need to tear down every sin and every idol that you erect in your life. We need to to cut out some things. We need to demolish some things because the, the worst enemy for my peace is me. I'm the one that's not following Jesus. I'm the one that's not feasting in his presence. I'm the one that's not walking in his victory every day can i just tell you the moments listen the moments of my greatest fear and the moments of my greatest pain created by moments of my greatest rebellions when i run to jesus and rest in his lap the moments of my greatest fear and greatest pain are transformed into moments of his greatest strength in me And guys I've been a follower of Christ for a long time and I've had seasons of peace And I've had seasons where I haven't had it. And the reason I haven't had peace as a follower of Christ and even as a preacher of the gospel is because I failed to follow the leadership of Jesus in my personal journey. I failed to feast on Jesus and allow Him to nourish my soul. And I failed to walk with Jesus and taste His victory. But remember, God wants to give us peace. And So today might be a day of great turnaround for you. A day where everything changes. A day where you run into the arms of Jesus and you find peace. What does God want? God wants to give us peace. When does he want to give it? He already has. His name is Jesus. Now will you take hold of it?